We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I am joined, as always, on Monday by our director of recruiting, Ryan Roberts. And Ryan, uh, it's recruiting hour time. And today, we're going to kind of narrow our focus down on, because there were no visits for Notre Dame this weekend. So we're going to kind of start going through some different position groups and just kind of what's the latest in recruiting, just talk about the needs and the fits and the players. And then we're going to start also introducing some early names to know for 2024. And today we're going to start with wide receiver. And I, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about the wide receiver position here in the last few weeks from a recruiting standpoint, from a team standpoint. Up until the injuries that started kind of piling up at running back, that was the position on offense, especially that I think most people were worried about from a number standpoint and all those type of things. I wrote an article this weekend where I talked about just sort of kind of, look, Notre Dame, as long as they don't go through a couple more injuries, there's a lot Notre Dame can do to, to have a very dynamic pass game this year with the guys they have on campus. However, the thing we've talked about is the lack of numbers. The talent is good. The numbers are bad. The problem is, is it creates a very small margin for error. And so, of course, how do you fix that? You can go to the transfer portal, move players. I don't love either one of those options, especially for Notre Dame. The way to fix it, ultimately, Ryan, is for recruiting high school players. But because Notre Dame's receiving depth chart is in such a mess, it's not going to take one class. And so, we felt it was important to really focus on 23 and 24 together. And here's why. Notre Dame has right now seven scholarship receivers that were recruited as scholarship receivers. So I'm not including Matt Salerno. It's not any disrespect. It's just to create context. Seven scholarship receivers. That's a thin number. You want to be around 10, minimum 10, right? It's kind of where you want to be. And you want to have it balanced between, you know, seniors to freshmen. You want to have it kind of spread out. When right now Notre Dame has seven, and they're going to lose three from the current roster in the offseason, which means right now Notre Dame projects to have four scholarship receivers coming back next year, which means if you add five receivers to the class, you're still not to your ideal numbers. And then, of course, if you add five receivers and then, you know, you, you always run the risk of it's hard to keep five guys at one position like this together for three, four years. 
So it you really are going to need them to string together a couple of really strong, successful classes that adds numbers and impact talent. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be the key. If they don't have success in both years, Ryan, 23 and 24, the problem is only going to be partially fixed. It really has to be a situation where they're able to have success in both classes. And they ha- and we have to look at evaluation of them with both classes in mind. Agree completely. I, I think that the biggest thing is that we keep talking about Notre Dame getting to an elite level, right? Those elite football teams from a position to a position sequence not only have players at the top that are extremely talented, but if one of those players goes down or they need a break or whatever, whatever, whatever situation happens, they have another guy that's going to come in. That's a four or five star recruit. That's just back in that position up. Right. And I think that we're seeing from a depth perspective, we know that Notre Dame's wide receiver group isn't not a great shape right now. Like let's call right. it what it is. Numbers I mean, I, wise for sure. Number, yeah. Numbers wise. Yes. Not, not impact talent wise. Cause we've talked in volume about guys like Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather and how good we think that unit could be on top of the Avery Davis of the world as far as like immediacy in 2022. The long-term issue, though, is what we're talking about more, right? Because, again, after this season, you only have four scholarship receivers that have been c- recruited to play wide receiver at Notre Dame. So you're in a tough situation from a numbers standpoint. And then what if it – I mean, are, are, you have to also get talent because if you bring in, a, let's say, a four or five man class and let's say, God forbid, a Lorenzo Styles goes down, you need someone that can fill in and mm-hmm. be an impact player. It's not just about quality of depth. It's not like you have five studs and if one or two goes down and you're good to go still, you need guys that can come in and they can compete. We talked about it all, all a lot here about Tobias Merriweather, like Tobias Merriweather for depth is very important, but also Tobias Merriweather needs to come on campus and he needs to be an impact player for Notre Dame. Like Mm -hmm. he needs to play. Right. And I think that you really need that not only in 2023, but 2024, because numbers are going to keep dwindling if, if, because I mean, with the transfer portal, the way it is, we're talking about guys just that are just going to be lost to graduation, like the Braden Lindsay's and Joe Wilkins and Avery Davis's, but you also can't truly predict what receiver or what player is going to be there on a year-to-year basis for the most part because guys are just so often moving now. It's just tough to predict. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And, and it, it goes beyond just like injuries. That's the thing. We focus a lot on injuries and, and we focus a lot on if the talent pans out. Well, the reality is, is the odds of every single kid panning out is small and that's for everybody. I mean, you know, when you look at all the years that Alabama has turned out four and five star players, there's been a lot of highly ranked guys of all these number one ranked classes that didn't pan out. And it's not like, well, they didn't pan out because yeah. of the depth because they would transfer somewhere else and still not be good. Perfect example is you, for every Reuben Foster there is, who's a dynamic linebacker for Alabama, there's a Ben Davis, right? That not only isn't a player at Alabama, but then goes to Texas and is just a fringe, like just rotational player. Exactly. Right. So, right. yeah, to your point, not all these five stars are slam dunks, they're ballers, right? Like some right. of them are overhyped. Some of them don't materialize. Some of them are maxed out and you can't right. predict what the right. what the growth potential is. Like it, it happens for every program across the nation. And then there's the injury. Like LeBron Ray's another example, Bama, was looking like, wow, this kid's going to end up being what we thought he was going to be. Then injuries sink in. He's just never that same player again. Sure. And that's college football. And that's mm-hmm. not just Notre Dame. That's college football. And that's why depth is so important. And so for whatever the reason, the, the Notre Dame right now receiver has a very small margin for error, and it's only going to get smaller after the season because next year you're going to be even younger as a football team. Yeah. So you're going to have, let's just say Notre Dame signs four receivers in this class. That means half of your roster are freshmen and over half your roster are freshmen and sophomores. That's going to be true at Notre Dame for two straight years because it's true right now. Over half of Notre Dame's seven scholarship players are sophomores or freshmen. There's three sophomores and one freshman. That's four out of seven. That's over half. I'm not great at math, but I'm pretty sure that's over half. It's 57 Next year, right. Next year, yeah. Next year, if Notre Dame gets four freshmen and they have eight scholarship players, five of them are going to be freshmen or sophomores. So it's going to be two years in a row where you're going to be dominated by freshmen and sophomores. Now, the good news is, is receiver is a position, Ryan, and I've argued this many, many times. I don't think experience matters as much at receiver as it does at quarterback, offensive line, defensive line to a degree, linebacker, because it's not a position that's necessarily requiring the grown man strength to be successful like you need at those positions. And it's a position where athleticism can kind of carry you to a degree. And, and so – they can make it, but again, that's why you need to rebuild the numbers. It, they need a big minimum four-man class in 2023, and then you need to follow that up with at least another three-man class, maybe four, depending on how the roster shakes out when you look at the 2024 class. And the reason I talk about that is, look, if Lorenzo Styles dom, you know, balls out the next couple of years and has like a Will Fuller breakout or Golden Tate breakout, the 24 class is going to have to replace him. You know, I mean, that's it's from a number standpoint. So that's why I say, you know, minimum three potentially four, depending on how everything shakes out in 2024, 2023. So you have to look at them together. Mm-hmm. But of course, we're going to begin with 2023. And that's the that's the situation we are. And of course, Notre Dame got off to a great start. And that was getting Braylon James back in April. Yep. It was a pretty good place to start because you got a guy that, that to me, it, it, you're going to need at least one guy from this group, maybe two, that can play as a freshman. Having said that, if I'm Notre Dame, I think they have to focus more on the ceiling and not as much on the floor. 
And so a guy like a Jaden Greathouse will get to brings value. But to me, the 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 class needs to be filled with more high ceiling guys and, and not so much focused on forcing high floor guys. And I don't think Notre Dame's doing that, by the way, yeah. which I like. So getting a guy like Braylon James, who I view as a five-star upside kid. Now, I think he's a top 100 prospect. Mm-hmm. I'm okay not having him in the top 50 as a five-star now. Definitely okay with that because right now he's still a very raw prospect that has a lot of learning to do and those type of things. But again, I care about the ceiling and his ceiling is extremely high. That was such an important piece to get because, number one, you're recruiting the state of Texas so much in 23 and 24. There's going to be a couple Texas kids we're going to talk about here moving forward, and Braylon James is a part of that. But number two, you really needed that impact outside big play guy, and Braylon James certainly brings that to the class. I mean, we're only talking about 6'2 with 4'4 speed, right? I right. mean, 38 inch Almost, vert, whatever. Yeah, exactly. It was. Like, it just, exactly. I mean, let's call it what it is. 13'9 in the 110 meter dash, you know, right, it's as a junior. Crazy. Yeah, 110, yeah, 110 high hurdles. Like, he's a he's a freak. He's a freak right. show. Like, what do you want to tell? Like, this is the kid that, if he's developed properly, is an NFL caliber receiver. Right. Like, that's, that's what this kid is. And that's what Notre Dame needs. And you mentioned that we've talked in nauseam about the layers of it, right? Big time player unlimited upside pretty much and he comes from a state that Notre Dame needs to get into yes. regularly like that those are the yes. the big key outside of just hey wide receiver needs more depth wide receiver needs impact players you're also getting one of the dynamic players top 100 kid out of the state of Texas which is huge because mm-hmm. when you look at it Brian I mean everybody knows how good a, a state Texas is producing players like you don't need me to go down a list but you think about the Ohio, everyone wants these Ohio State receivers, right? Oh, Ohio State, what, look what they're doing. Two of their best guys over the last couple of years, Garrett Wilson and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbar, what, from, from what state are they from again? Hmm. Lone yeah. Star State. They right. may be from the Lone Star State. They produce football players at a premium. Everybody knows that. And this and is a position they produce a lot of good players. 100%. Because even if you look at, if, if we're talking about 2023, there's a couple of Texas kids that Notre Dame is hot on. One that you already said is committed, and Braylon James. Mm-hmm. 2024, another really dynamic receiver right. group. I mean, yeah, we're going to get well, into that. but And it's guys Notre Dame's missed on. I mean, I'm sorry. Notre Dame, put it like if, if Notre Dame's current staff was around three, four years ago, Marvin Mims is probably playing at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you right now. Kid originally committed to Stanford, if that tells you anything. And the, the point is, what I found is Texas – for whatever reason, I'm going to get into why. I don't live in Texas. I have reason, thoughts why, but just, it, it's irrelevant. For the, But the reality is you find more kids in Texas that fit the academic profile that Notre Dame is looking for. It's why Stanford has done so well over the years in the state of, Stanford, in the state of Texas. Paulson Adebo is another example. Marvin Mims originally committed to them. Stanford struggling helped open the door for Oklahoma, but that's where a lot, a lot of the, the players in Oklahoma has has thrived with over the years. They've landed a lot of receivers from the state of Texas. And so this is a, this is a state. There's a kid named, though, oh, gee, what's his name from Oklahoma? C.D. Lamb. Ever heard of him, Ryan? Nope. Never You're a draft him. guy. Maybe you've heard of him. Where's he from? Texas. I mean, th- that's a position that, that, that has really thrived. And the reason that getting Braylon James is important is, number one, his individual talent. Number two, if he does come to Notre Dame and has success – that opens up a door that shows kids from Texas, hey, you can come here and be successful academically, socially, and of course on the football field. Because somebody has to be that sort of that um, trailblazer, right? And once that 
once that happened, like Manti without Hawaii kids. How yep. many Hawaii kids that signed with Notre Dame in the last 10 years would kind of point to Manti's path here as, a, as one of the reasons that got them thinking about it? And and so Texas needs to be that, and that's a, another reason why Braylon James was so, so important. We're going to stay in Texas for the next kid, and this isn't in any particular order of, like, best players. It's just kind of trying to follow a little bit of a of a theme here. But, but you know, the other thing that having Braylon James helps is he's able to connect with guys in Texas. And one of the players he's really built a strong relationship with is Jaden Greathouse, mm-hmm. who was from Westlake high school in Austin, won a state championship last year, put up monster numbers and, and saved his best games for the biggest moments, you know, had what seven catches for over 200 yards and three touchdowns in the state championship game against the secondary. that's kind of at least three division one DBs. And, and so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's a, he's an important guy too. And having Braylon James in the class helps that as obviously, but he's an important player, Ryan. He's had, he's had a chance to go to all his visits. Let's kind of quickly just talk about, you know, where things stand with, with Jaden Greathouse, and then we'll kind of talk about why he's such an important player in this class. So we'll let you kind of kick off kind of where things stand right now with him. Yeah. I mean, so Jaden has now been to, campus multiple times this past spring into the summer and he had not been to Notre Dame even though he had tremendous interest but kind of the whole quick quick synopsis is coach Stuckey really turned Jaden on to Notre Dame the minute that he took the took the job and when he's come to when he first went to campus I think it really stuck with him obviously like wow this is probably the place man like and I would argue from that first visit they quickly became his leader and then I think that you kind of hit a little bit of a lull and then he came back to campus. And again, I thought that he left as the leader. And originally Jaden was eyeing a commitment date during the summer before, before the fall, before his, his season officially kicks off, that has been pushed back. And as far as we know, that is still for now, right? For now, for now. right. At this moment, this is still the plan for Jaden Greathouse is that is recruitment is going to go into the fall. So I even know that he canceled an official visit recently. I'm assuming that that is probably because he's, pushing it back into the, the fall. And, and he had a seven-on-seven event, so it wasn't necessarily yeah. a, a, a hurry to get that right. done, like you said. Yeah. I, I know, as of, like you said, right now the plan is, but I do know that Notre Dame would still like for him to speed it up, and I think there are some things that could happen over the next couple weeks that might say, hey, you know what, it, I, this is what I want to do. I got to, you know, let's let's make that move, so – Sure. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But I again, whether he carries in the fall, look, anytime a kid purposely extends his recruitment, that always makes you a little bit nervous. If we're going to, I mean, we're being honest here. It's like, why? There's something there that's making him want to hold up. He said it to you. And his, what he said to you was, I just, I want to see the offenses. Right. Well, you and I think that's good because we think the Notre Dame offense is going to be pretty good this year. But it just shows that even as much as he likes Notre Dame, there's still clearly a little bit of something there that makes him want to hold off, and that's obviously something that is a little bit, a, a little bit concerning. But you, you got, I mean, there's really not a number two right now, to be honest. I mean, you, you can maybe say Texas, but I don't even think they're really a, a major player. I mean, it, it's just about. I, I just so. don't think there's a sense of urgency. Yep. I think the next two kids we talk about could change that. Mm-hmm. And and the first guy I want to talk about, and this is again, this is more from a timing. This is the one player at receiver that we know when his recruitment is going to end. Yep. And that's Rico Flores. And we're going to do a little little film breakdown of him here in a second because he's the one receiver that we haven't really done that for yet. So we we will get into that a little bit. But 
I think the thing for me, Ryan, is with Rico Flores make you know set to make his announcement on July third. Mm-hmm. Ronan Hannafin from Massachusetts, and we'll talk about each of these guys individually, but I want to first talk about them together. I would expect both of them to have their decisions made before the summer's over. Ronan doesn't have a commitment date in mind. You know, I think he's still kind of winding things out. He just took his final visit this weekend to Boston College, so I think he – if you know anything about Ronan Hannafin and his family, they're very thoughtful, right? They don't rush into anything. Everything is talked about as a family, and and I actually love that. I think that's smart, and, great, and there's different family. people involved. Yeah, and, and like, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And I know – there's some pro Notre Dame people around him that purposely ask questions to kind of pick at Notre Dame a little bit to make sure he's really thought through the reasons, which I think is, I love it. And it's not purposely picking like negative, but just making sure that whenever he makes a decision, whether it's Notre Dame, Clemson, Bama, BC, that he's a hundred percent confident that he made it for the right reasons and all. And, and I'm always okay with that. I, I can live with that with, with all kids. Yep. But I don't think this is going to drag into the season. I just – I don't – I haven't necessarily been told that. It's not like I'm giving you intel. It's just from what we know of his situation, I I, I think they would like to have this decision done before the this, this season starts. So I don't think this one is going to drag on too long. Clemson's made this one really tough on Notre Dame, but I like where Notre Dame is right now. We've said that for a long time. I think Notre Dame's going to be very hard to beat, and nobody's kind of given me the thought that – they're gonna they're gonna change it. So I, I like where Notre Dame is at there. And then of course Rico Flores is in a situation where he's gonna make his decision July third. And Ohio State's basically filled up and he can't the Georgia visit got canceled. It's really I mean, it's it's almost like Notre Dame's sort of the last program standing, which I don't care. As right. long as you get the guy you want, I don't care what the reasons are to get you there. So he's going to make his decision July 3rd. We think Notre Dame's in a good place. We'll find that out, you know, on Sunday. But if if those two jump on board, and I'm going to circle back to Jaden Greathouse now before we dive specifically into those two players, if those two guys do jump on board over the next few weeks, let's say, mm-hmm. I think that kind of might have to force Jaden Jaden Greathouse to change his thought process. It could. I, I, I'm not saying it will, but it could. And because right now, you know, Notre Dame wants four receivers and you're looking at it like they got one. I'm good. I can take my time. If that changes over the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden Jaden's like, hey, man, do you want to be a part of this thing or not? Like you, you're, you know, you're, you're that, you're that piece we really want and need to go with this group. Do you want to be a part of it or not? And I think that is going to, that, that is when it could get really interesting to see what Jaden great does. He, does he double down and say, nope. I'm sticking to my time frame, Ryan, or does he say, you know what? This is where I want to be. Let's let's make that move. It's going to be yeah. interesting. I mean, and like you said, I think the biggest key for Jaden Greathouse's recruitment right now is that, and I, I think Brandon asked in the chat, I mean, right now, Texas and South Carolina, right? Like those are probably the two biggest players, I guess, outside of Notre Dame. But like, I don't, I don't feel confident in Texas in that situation right now. I think it's more likely that he leaves Texas than stays in Texas at this point, if I'm being completely transparent and completely honest about that, just from everything I've talked to Jane in the past about. But I would say that it's always – because Jane's a really – he's a really competitive person, right? So I don't think – and because to your point, it's not that you're – you're coming up with numbers in the class. Like, let's say if they get the three wide receiver, that's like, oh, man, like Jane's going to look at that and be like, oh – can I compete with those guys? Can I find my, sure. my spot on the field? He's just more like, 
oh, okay, like I need to make a decision now. <laughs> like, that's exactly kind of, why. Exactly. It's not yeah. about competition. It's about, no, look, we, no. because if you're Notre Dame, you're like, look, we need four. Do you want to mm-hmm. be a part of this or not? Because if you, you know, if, if you have hesitations, we need to know that because exactly. we need to figure out who our fourth and fifth is going to be. And if it's not going to be you, like, is it just a, you want to see something or is it like, are there concerns and, and how can we alleviate those concerns? And, right. and that's kind of my thing. So it's not a, it's not a, it, it, them filling up actually, I think helps Notre Dame, not hurts Notre Dame 100%. from a competition standpoint. And because yep. I think Jaden's also a smart kid that he understands most receivers that are smart don't want to go somewhere where they're the only guy. Why do you think Ohio State signed three studs in in, in like a four day span, three day span? Because that's a good thing. If well, it's, you got enough balls to go around, yeah, yeah, you will. Just look what they've done. The point being that that most receivers understand if I go somewhere and I'm the only dude, then they're going to focus the entire defense on stopping me. Right. And that's why you see a lot of times, and it didn't used to be this way. It used to be where receivers wanted to go places where you were just kind of the guy. I think this is where the modern offense has really helped because there's plenty to go around for everybody. Right. Yeah. And in today's uh, offense, volume, volume is a lot different than it once was. 100%. Right. And so, you know, it's one of those things where now it's like, okay, I want to go into a class with other big time players. And I think the Bama class really began that, you know, where they kind of, they kind of, what little notion there was there that do you really want to go somewhere with a lot of other really good receivers, the Bama notion kind of destroyed that because of all the players they, I mean, they signed Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs and, and Devonte Smith in one class. They all became first round picks. And then a year later they signed Jaden Jalen Waddle and he became a first round pick. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think they got John Mechie a year later and he was picked what second, third round this year. Second round, I think, he ended and he would have probably gone round one if not, in my opinion, if not for the, he could have gone round one if not for the injury, in my view. <laughs> so, but still, round two in this deep receiver class, I think, was pretty was pretty good. Yep. So I think that's kind of killed that notion. So to your point, I, I think Jaden's a smart kid that understands. Yeah, that's a class I'm going to get get mine in because I'm not going to. They're, they're not going to be able to play me, you know. Plus all the tight ends and same signs. There's going to be enough balls to go around but I'm going to have a, a really good supporting class. So I, I think they could certainly help in that regard. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I just think of it even just for the 2022 crew, like, it, I mean, it's just Tobias Merriweather, but why would a, why, why would an outside wide receiver not want to come and play with Michael Mayer attacking the middle of the field? Sure. Like you're going to get so sure. many one-on-one opportunities. It's going to be crazy. Right. Like, I mean, right. good players want to play with other good players. And, and I think the key here is we talked a lot about what makes wide receivers really successful, kind of that alpha mentality to them. Jaden Greathouse is never going to go into another wide receiver room and think that he's not the best receiver on the, on the team. Like, he's just not going to think that way. But what he is going to think is strategically, like you said, oh, well, Brillian James is also a dude, though, so there's going to be some guys rolling coverages over there mm-hmm. at some points, right? Like, they're going to have to keep their eyes on me, which gives me one-on-one matchups. That's what you're kind of – that's why the space game is the way it is now. It's all a numbers game. They're trying to dictate the numbers, and they're trying to find the one-on-one matchup. That's all mm-hmm. it is at the end of the day. So, very well said, Brian. Very well said. So let's talk a little bit about Rico Flores. This has been a very interesting recruitment because early on, just we didn't know quite where he stood with Notre Dame and vice versa. He made trips down to Georgia. He made a trip out to Ohio State. He didn't make a trip to Notre Dame. The staff stayed on him, kept recruiting him. And I think part of the thing here, Ryan, is of of what I've learned about Rico is Rico's a great fit for Notre Dame. 
but I don't think he thought that early on. Mm-hmm. And he is one of those kids. I mean, he liked Notre Dame. I mean, from the minute he got offered it, I think he was attracted to it, but I think he liked Notre Dame for different reasons. And I don't think, uh, you know, for what, you know, the academic and all that, but I think he was more attracted to the football aspect of it, which is why he looked at Ohio State, Georgia, which you can't blame a wide receiver for looking at Ohio State. But I think having not been to Notre Dame this spring, when he went to other school, he visited Ohio State and Georgia, I think that allowed them to kind of pull ahead. But the Notre Dame staff kept plugging away and plugging away and plugging away. And there came a point in time about the last couple months where Georgia, Ohio State, and to a degree Georgia, but more so Ohio State, mm-hmm. put sort of the, the a hold, and you started hearing stuff come out about maybe he's not a take, maybe he is, but they like these guys better. And this is why people need to be real careful with what they report and how loose they are with their lips when it comes to reporting what you, you get told. Because I think that kind of allowed Notre Dame to creep in and because Notre Dame was able to say, hey, man, you're a take for us. You know what I mean? Like, there's no question about it for for this. You, we're, you're definitely a take for us. I think that allowed Notre Dame to really close that gap. And then once the visit happened, that was the first time. And you heard about how it went, how much his mom liked Notre Dame, how much he connected with people at Notre Dame, how much he realized what Notre Dame could do for him on and off the field because he's a very good student. Mm-hmm. That is when I, was the first time his June visit is the first time that I actually felt Notre Dame had a chance to actually beat Ohio state for him. Now it ended up not mattering because I, I think Ohio state's pretty much done there. They already have four receivers in the class since they got Noah Rogers, Brandon Ennis and Cardinal Tate last week. But mm-hmm. that was the first time I felt like Notre Dame actually had a chance to beat Ohio state for him, even if he was a take. So even if they didn't get Noah Rogers and you know, that's why it's important to kind of play that long game and his his it, it it's really interesting. You don't know, it doesn't matter if you're first early on. It only matters if you're first at the end. And it's a race. that's it's where, a race, yeah, man. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it looks like it's trending right now for Notre Dame, in my opinion. Yeah. Now it's it's something where, like you said, it's Notre Dame very very positively can say, Rico, you've been our guy this whole time. You're not in a, in a situation with Ohio State where like. If we don't get the numbers we want, then we'll take you. You're not in a situation where Georgia were like, we like you, man, but we're not sure if we love you, mm-hmm. right? Notre Dame loves you. Notre, right. Notre Dame has always been – Rico Flores has always been a take for Notre Dame. The staff right. absolutely loves him. And I think that that's More why, than we did early on. 100%. I mean, to be honest, yeah. No, complete transparency. You're 100% correct. This one is – this has been a – this has been like a, a long distance race, right? Like this has been the mm-hmm. mile if you're into in, if you're in the track right. and field. Like you said, you don't want to come out of the blocks too fast, right? Because then you're going to kind of die at the end. Notre Dame has withstood and lasted the, the entire time. So I, I think that you know Notre Dame has put themselves in a great position. I, I don't really see it going any other way if we're being completely transparent and completely honest about it. And props to them, man. They did not back off because it's easy if you're a team going against for a wide receiver that Ohio state is recruiting and the national championship, Georgia Bulldogs are also in the top three. It's pretty easy to get intimidated. Like, let's be honest about it. But the fact of the matter is, is Notre Dame's wasn't afraid to play a long game for Rico Flores. And it looks like it's going to, it looks like it's going to play out, you know, work out well for them in the end. Ryan, I want to do a quick film review of Rico because we didn't really get a chance to, to do that as much because there was a time where it did look like Notre Dame was on the outside looking in. I remember he released a top five 
Mm-hmm. And we didn't pay. We, we talked about it, but we didn't pay a lot of attention to it because everything we had heard that Notre Dame was like probably fourth or fifth of that group, right? Yep. And they kept plugging away and plugging away, and then they, then they cracked the top three, and and you know they're just plugging away, plugging away, plugging away, and then eventually you get to the point where it's like you know, hey guys, I, I think they actually have a shot to win this one, and uh, you know, now we'll find out here in the next couple days if if that's going to happen, but. Uh, you know, that was, that was a big one for Notre Dame. I'm trying to, I'm going to pull up the De La Salle film first, and then I'm going to pull up, actually it looks like Huddle might be having some issues right now. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. So Huddle, uh, Huddle, all of a sudden I was in the middle of, of watching his film and Huddle said uh, so, an error has occurred. Huddle is having some technical issues. So we're going to have to come back to that Rico Flores film evaluation, <laughs> but we'll get to that point in time. But you know, the thing I, I look at Rico and, and the one thing I like about him is he, he may not have like elite physical tools. He's like six, one, one eighty five, So he has good size, but not great size, you know, similar to Lorenzo style size wise, mm-hmm. you know, good speed, but not great speed, good athlete, not a great athlete. Yeah. There's nothing about him that from a, just a raw tool standpoint, you say, man, that guy's got elite. you know, like Braylon James home run speed or, you know, Sure. Almost 40 inch vertical jump, right? Right. Length. Ronan Hannafin's raw speed. I mean, Jalen Jaden Greathouse's physicality and size and strength, you know, the Michael Floyd type of game he has. With Rico, it's like, yeah, he's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. But the one thing that 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 like when when you say a kid grew on you, it's usually mm-hmm. because he doesn't have something that just jumps out at you. Sure. There's not some elite physical tool that jumps out at you. The reason Rico grew on me is because the first thing that I look for when I'm watching film is I look for the traits. I look for the size, the strength, the speed, the athleticism. Then I evaluate the other stuff that isn't quite as important to me, which is how the kid plays the game. Mm-hmm. But when you watch Rico, he is an extreme. We talked a lot about this with Matthias Fer- Tobias Merriweather. Mm-hmm. He is a very fundamentally sound, like this kid just knows how to play. And I'll say this, Ryan, there's a lot of positions where knowing how to play only gets you so far. You have to, I mean, you can know how to play, but if you're a five flat middle linebacker, I don't care if you're the smartest linebacker on the planet, you're not going to be that good. You're not going to be good when you're playing against Bama and Ohio State and teams like that because you have to be able to run. Receiver is the one position in my view that more and more and more as we're seeing, you know, with guys like Cooper Cup, where and Devontae Adams and guys like that, where they're they're good athletes with good size, but they're not elite athletes with elite size. They're not right. Mike Evans. They're not Jamar Chase. They're not Justin Jefferson. But they know how to play. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of guys that have Justin Jefferson size and athleticism, but don't play like him because he also knows how to play. Right but this is a position where knowing how to play can help you more than it can at other positions. And that's the thing about Rico that really stands out. This kid's understanding of how to run routes. I mean, just like you watch him stem, how many high school receivers do you know, understand the need to attack the leverage of a defensive back? Not too many, not Uh, many at all. uh, And, and, uh, and understand how to manipulate with the stem. You know, look, a lot of receivers think that the manipulation comes with the top end. If you don't execute the stem properly, the top end, may isn't going to be as effective when you're playing good players sure just little things like that proper angles coming out of breaks how he attacks the football there's a lot to like about him and even though he's not a burner the thing i do like about him from an athleticism athleticism standpoint he does get the top his top speed pretty quickly i mean he gets on top of defensive backs really quickly and you're watching this film i was watching this film against de la salle earlier that's why i wanted to bring that up 
mm-hmm. you know, he's not exactly doing this against, you know, Nobody's. nobodies, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I exactly. mean, he's putting up his thousand plus yards last year against really good football teams. So there's a lot to be said to that. And he is one of those kids that I say, this kid will have a chance to play much earlier than you would think because of the fact that he's going to step on a football field on a campus in college and know how to play the game of football at a high level from a technical standpoint. And that can't be dismissed. Yeah. I I don't think, I don't think he's as nearly as fast as a Chris Olave, but like he just, some parts of his game kind of remind me of it. Because one thing I really did like about Chris and I similarly like about Rico Flores is you mentioned the nuance of the game, understanding how to attack blind spots and, you know, releases and all that good stuff. My favorite thing though, Brian, is I, I think he tracks the football down the field really well. So while he might not be this dynamic long, long, long speed guy, he really knows how to adjust to the football down the field mm-hmm. and play. I mean, it seems it seems like almost like he has kind of a baseball background. He's an outfielder or something, right? Like he just tracks the football really well. So I think it's a kid that you need in this class, honestly, because we talked about the importance of Jaden Greathouse because he is a kid that can come and play right now, right? Braylon right. James, there's some things that need to happen, right? Like maturation that needs to happen, some roundness of his game that needs to happen. Ronan Hannafin, I feel like, is in the same same ballpark. Incredible tools. But, you know, needs a little bit of maturation right. as far as his game. Same with Braylon James, is. correct. 100%. Right. Yeah. But right. for a but for a Rico Flores, again, the ceiling might not be as nearly as high as those guys, but he can come in and play. Like, there's right. no doubt. Like, he can give you reps. He's going to go, go onto the football field, and he's not going to hurt you. He's going to give you valuable depth. And I think those players get very undervalued, which is why I think he is very undervalued. But Rico Flores is a good football player. Whether he's the fourth receiver in this class or the fifth, doesn't really matter. All I or know the is third, he's, right. or the third, he is a quality, quality football player, and any team is going is going to be lucky to have him. Yeah. I think the fact that he is a, a strong student also helps because I think when you when you have a kid, the tougher that the academic transition is for a student athlete, the harder it is to play as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but it it, it just factors into it. Because as we've said before, freshmen at Notre Dame have to take calculus, they have to take do things that let's be honest, just not aren't happening in other schools. It's not an insult. It's just reality. Sure. And uh, I realize a lot of people get real sensitive when you say that, you know, this is the case and you know, like it's just the reality of it. Okay. It's, it's different. So that's kind of where I'm at with him, Ryan, is I think all those things factor into why this is a valuable pickup is because you need depth. And here's something else that's grown on me. If when I first watched Rico, I kind of viewed him as a, it's more of an, an, an X pure X you know, the route running and the size and all that. But the more and more I watch this film, the more and more he could do a lot of the things that Tommy Reese has talked about the slot doing, which is more of a pro style slot as opposed to the bubble screens and that kind of stuff. But more of a guy that can work the seams, work the middle of the field, be a really strong route runner, has enough size to get off of press releases and things like that. To me, I think Rico can play both field positions. And I think he's got enough size like Lorenzo Styles to do some boundary stuff even though that's not where I would put him full time, but there's some looks I could use him. So he brings a little bit more versatility to the table than I originally projected for him. And I think that's an important thing too, to the point where of all the receivers that Notre Dame could potentially get in this class, the only guy right now that's on the board that I think projects more as a slot is actually Micah Tease of the group guys we're talking about because of that feel for the game aspect of it. That's a really important thing for a slot in a pro style offense is a guy that knows how to work open. Much more important than being able to catch a, a, a bubble screen and turn it into a 20-yard gain. But that's nice, 
but you've got to be able to do the first part before you can do the second part, in my opinion. Yep. No, it, it's it's been an interesting it's been an interesting journey for the slot receiver position in this class, man. It has been a very interesting one. But I think Micah Tease does have that natural instinct that you're talking about, Brian, right? Like he's you need some ability to work in space. And people think that it's just simply you know, a team manipulates space and then a wide receiver runs to space, right? But like that's not all it is, because there are linebackers scraping over, there's cornerbacks working inside out, their safeties running the alley. You have to kind of have a almost a sixth sense to where players are on the field and the ability to navigate that space, right? So I think Micah Tease definitely has that. I think there's players in a pinch, like you could tell me that Jaden Greathouse could play in the slot a little bit. Absolutely. It's going to be a different type of slot, but he can do it. Rico Mm -hmm. Flores, I think, could do it a little bit. But Micah Tease is that true slot type because he can – you give him a crease and he has an understanding of what's happening around him, he can create a 15-yard play into a 40-yard play. That's what type of player this kid is, in my opinion. Let's talk about Ronan Hannafin last because he's the guy right now. We've talked about Jaden Greathouse and the tie in Texas, and then we've obviously Rigo Flores has something coming up. We're going to talk about Ronan Hannafin last of kind of the four players that we feel best about, and then we'll we'll kind of wrap it up with Micah Tease because that's a, a little bit of an interesting situation. So Ronan Hannafin obviously is a guy from a recruiting standpoint. We've talked about this. Clemson and Alabama have really made a hard push for him to the point where the head coaches have been heavily involved in their in his recruitment. I still like where Notre Dame is at. It's now about closing, right? He went to Bama. I think coming out of the Notre Dame visit, there was a lot of good vibes about where things stood with Notre Dame and, and Ronan. But he was insistent on making the final two visits. And anytime a kid visits Alabama, I don't care where he stands with Notre Dame or anywhere else, Bama's a different animal. Even though he'd been to Bama before, Bama's a different animal. And, of course, Clemson's still there, too. They've done a great job recruiting Ronan Hannafin. And then, of course, this weekend he went to BC, which is the home school. And, and so, of course, anytime, you know, th- that that's something to think about, too. But I still like where Notre Dame is at. My opinion there hasn't changed. They they have to close. So, as you look at Ronan as a player, I think this is the kid, in my view, that is the is the biggest misevaluation on the board. And and even the people that are that are ranking him as a four star now, I still don't think they get it. Right. I and I think it what it boils down to is I think that when when people look at Ronan Hannafin, I don't think a lot of people understand just how athletic this kid is. And I think there's this like I heard I heard somebody I was talking to somebody one time like you know he's a really smart football player he knows how to play the game and I'm like yeah for defense sure. Mm-hmm. But for offense, he's a really raw player. I mean, not that he's not smart, but he's he's, you know, it's like oh, he's a really good savvy route runner. I'm like, have, have, are we talking about the same kid? Like, no, he's not. Like, could Ryan, he become Ryan, he's one? A, sure, he's a, he's a white receiver. He has to be a savvy route right. runner. It's has to be. I get it. I wasn't gonna say it. You said it. All good. I'll, I'll, I'll um, keep saying it, man. I'm good with it's, it. But I think that's part of the thing that factors into it, right? Yeah. And and it's it's kind of like. With like Dante Moore quarterback, I remember having a conversation with somebody one time on Facebook where they were like, you know, Notre Dame needs a drop back quarterback. And I'm like, okay. And it was in response to Dante. And he's like, well, this kid doesn't really fit that mold. And I was like, based on what? <laughs> like, I don't know if you've watched this kid's film, but Dante Moore doesn't run at all. I mean, yeah. hardly at all. It, but there, that's the reality of it. There's stereotypes that people get based on things that shouldn't matter. What matters to me is the film. 
And I think that's what people have missed about, about Ronan Hannafin. Like, I'm just waiting for the sneaky athleticism conversation to pop up. The reality is this kid's 6'3", 205 pounds. He runs a 4'4", and he's freaky athletic for his size. Mm-hmm. And I think I think not only is he underrated, even, even with the new four-star ranking, and he's, you know, but still not in the top 250, if this kid's not pushing the top 100 in your rankings list, I still say you don't have a clue what this kid's capable of. And even just as a pure receiver, I feel that way. When you add the fact that this is one of the few kids in the in the nation that could be a legitimate starter at multiple positions on both sides of the ball, look, who have been the two dominant programs of college football last decade? It's Clemson and Alabama. They're right. both recruiting him for opposite sides of the football. Which is crazy. Clemson yeah. wants him at receiver. They've done a pretty good job developing receivers. Bama wants him at, you know, sort of that that the hybrid, you know, edge player. That should tell you everything you need to know about what kind of prospect this is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. And the head coaches are heavily involved in his recruitment. And I think that's the thing for me is like I just kind of laugh when I read some of the evaluations. Like, ooh, we have newly minted four-star. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. If you don't see these a four-star, you need to find something else to do with your job. Are you willing to kind of make the right reevaluation? Say, you know what? This kid's a special kid. This is a kid that needs to be in the conversation as a top hundred caliber prospect. I brought Irish breakdown game that great, aka me. Uh, I don't want to project that onto Ryan. He hasn't necessarily said where he ranks Ronan Hannafin. I, I think we're kind of close to the same standard, Ryan. But yeah, you know, we're, we're not off by much if we're off at all. But I think that's the thing, and I think that's partly why there hasn't been as much excitement about possibly landing him from some Notre Dame parts of the fan base, even the Irish breakdown fan base. I think people want Ronan Hannafin in this chat, but even in this chat, which I believe is the most informed group of Notre Dame fans in the business, which is why they listen to this channel because smart people like being informed. And so they come to this chat and that's why so many people in this chat will push back on us because they, there is conviction in their, their knowledge of the game, even when they're wrong. Sorry. Uh, I had to say it. Um, but oh, the they're, point, they're, not, they're, they're not listening. They're, they're talking about Jackson State. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, start banning people. Um, but the point is, Ryan, is I still don't think even then that that those Notre Dame fans really appreciate just the 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 just how athletic and unique this kid is. We've seen pictures of him next to Braylon James. He makes yeah. Braylon look small. He does. Like they're not too far off height wise, but they're different bodies. And yes. and then when you throw in the fact that this is a kid with a documented four four and a forty, this this is a unique kid and a kid that I just don't think is getting enough attention for being a a unique athlete. I think there's the savvy, the high football IQ bullcrap that we hear. No, I don't want this kid because of that. I don't care about that right now. I want this kid because he's a six foot three, two hundred five pound athlete that can freaking run. That's what I like about Ronan Hannafin. If you want any clue of of how gifted an athlete he is, again, to reiterate to what Brian just said, Alabama wants him in the Will Anderson position. Yes. <laughs> like, what do you have to say That's about absurd. it, man? Like, even if you want to say, oh, they want him to be Dallas Turner. Okay. Right. <laughs> freak shows, man. They're all a bunch of freak shows. This kid is so physically gifted that Alabama wants him to be a pass rusher, hybrid edge player, whatever you want to call him. And then other premier programs like Oklahoma, Clemson, USC, they want him to play wide receiver. Mm-hmm. It's right. again, we're talking about 6'3, 4'4 speed, huge catch radius, 
and he's physically ready to play right now, right? Like mm-hmm. from a from just a body perspective. Right. And I agree, I agree completely with you, Brian. He's not a he he has some work to do on the offensive side of the football because it's not what he that's not his first position, right? Like he was a defensive player and he still is a defensive player and he's a good one. I, I think that he I still think that he could be a really good rover on Notre Dame's mm-hmm. defense. I think he could right. be a fantastic player in that situation. But six three he's more natural skills, there. Right 100%. now, like yep. mentally, he is more of a defensive player, Ryan. He is more comfortable yep. on defense right now. I just don't think it's his highest. It's his highest upside. Yeah. Back to what you were saying. No, so, no, no, no. He's no, my no, receiver. It's, it's really well said. I, I would say, though, when we're talking about, again, that profile that you have, 6'3", 205, still can put on some weight, even though he's already physically ready to play, 4'4 four, four speed. Like those guys are just they, – they don't just walk around that often, right? right? Like you can't find six, three guys, four, four speed, especially out of the state of Massachusetts. Like he sticks, he sticks right. out like a sore thumb, man. He's running past everybody on his right. high school level. It's just so yeah. Kid is kid is a freak of nature from an athletic perspective. Upside is immense. He's definitely a work in progress on the offensive side of the football, but if he hits a ceiling, he's going to be a really, really good football player in the next level. I have to, I'm just appalled by what I just read in our chat. Just appalled. Uh, Charles Drury just said that Tupac is one of the bottom five rappers of all time. I'm just trying to decide whether or not I'm going to ban him, whether I'm going to call the (laughs) authorities. Uh, I just, I don't even, I don't even know what to say at this point in time. Um, You know, so, uh, and he's doubling down. I'm just incredibly offended right now. Uh, in, in all seriousness, th- I think at this point in time, Ryan, you look at those four guys, the reality is, is the board's kind of small at this point in time. They cannot afford to miss on any of those guys. That That's 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 the reality of it. They, they cannot afford to miss. They have to they have to hit because if they miss on those guys, then right now it's about, OK, finding guys that really aren't that high on you or flipping a kid who maybe just isn't to the level that these other guys are i mean mm-hmm. there's a couple guys on the board that we could talk about i don't want to name names specifically but notre dame could have them in the class tomorrow if they wanted them there's a reason they're not in the class yeah because they're they're not as they're there's they're not as good in those areas you know so um i think i think that to me is really the area where where you get a little bit concerned Right, like I love the border it's at right now, but they got to close. The good news is, is I think Notre Dame's the leader for all three of those kids. That is the good news at this point in time, mm-hmm. and significant leader I would argue for at least two of them. Let's go to the final kid because this is the one that I'm at this point in time kind of most curious about, and that is that is Micah Teeth. Mm-hmm. So Ryan, depending on who you talk to, I, I talk to some people and. You know, USC's the team to beat. And then you talk to other people and you're like, I think Notre Dame's a dark horse here. I think Notre Dame's got a really good chance there. And, yeah. I, and I learned something new recently talking with Sean Davis is because uh, he, he's he gotten to know Christian Gray really well. Apparently, Micah, Micah Tease and Christian Gray have been really good friends since they were freshmen in high school. And and so that should help as well. But this is a kid to me that that is a very unique player because he's he is a lot like Ronan Hannafin in that the the – there's a small number of players that, in my view, could be really good at both, on both sides of the ball. 
and Micah Tease and Ronan Hannafin are two of those. Those are two kids that are legitimate starting caliber players on both sides of the ball. He wants a chance to play offense. Their name is going to is wants to give him that. He is the unique kid, but but basically it's going to come down to can you convince him that you're serious about giving him a chance at at wide receiver? Right. Right. And that's kind of been the whole back and forth all, all along. It's right. Like Oklahoma is the assumed team to beat for a long time. They just want them at safety. They, they don't want to mess around with offense. And obviously Micah Tease wants an opportunity to play wide receiver. And that's fine. That's what he wants. Notre Dame has been lucky enough to, for a while now, have the standpoint that we're recruiting you as an athlete. We'll give you a chance to play wide receiver. We think you could also be a dynamic player on the defensive side of the football and then USC obviously is the main competition right now, it seems, because they have also been consistent as just strictly offense. I don't even think they have even sold him on defense at all from USC's perspective. It's always mm-hmm. been wide receiver for yeah. the USC staff. So those are really two big ones here. Brian, like I, I'm, I'm here with him, and I'm just – I continue to be cautiously optimistic, but then I'm also like USC presents problems, I think. Like that, I think that that is going to be a tough – player to beat for the in this right. instance but i do think that again i've, I've said it pretty uh pretty consistently i do think mike Tease notre dame is in the top two for mike Tease. yeah what what the order is we can debate all day that's cool but at the end but the end mike Tease has been to campus what five times now like he's yeah. been here often so obviously there's intrigue and like you just mentioned the christian christian gray layer of, of the conversation is very interesting that could be huge we talk about all the time how important recruitment from committed players can be for the classes right mm-hmm. i mean we talked about the fact that Jaden greathouse has a good relationship with braylon braylon james earlier in the show same thing in this instance it can help them tremendously i think just the fact that there is some relationship there i know they name once mike t's in the class i think man he, I mean, he could be a really good mm-hmm. player i think in multiple spots i like you think that he would be a better corner than wide receiver long term but if he's a starting, if he's a slot receiver for Notre Dame, uh, he'd be an, an an easy take for me, and he's an easy take for the staff right now. Yeah, there's no question about him being a take. I mean, it, it's I think the only debate that Notre Dame had was where do we want him, and there was a battle between the defensive staff really wanted him and the offensive staff really wanted him, and that was where the battle was. And and so I think ultimately came down to where does Michael want to play. Right. And Mike was pretty adamant he wants a shot on offense. And so the key now for Notre Dame was is honestly being able to say to the kid, we like you there or not. And that's the selling point. I really believe that if Notre Dame can really convince him that this is where we want you, you're going to get a legitimate chance to play wide receiver. And here's the deal. If they sign, if they get commitments from four other receivers before he decides to jump on board, they still have a pretty good selling spot because, hey, Micah, What's different about you than all those other guys? You bring a skill set that they don't have. And that is what makes Micah important is he's the one kid. Because I do think you need this on your roster. I've said this for two years now. You need a kid on your roster in college football. I don't care how pro style your offense is. you got to have a kid that you can just get the ball to easily and say, go do something. You have to have that. And and there's other guys on the board that can do that to varying degrees. I mean, you know, Braylon James has the kind of speed and enough elusiveness where he can catch a crossing route, make a guy miss, and outrun the defense, right? Like Jaden Greathouse sure. can use his size. Ronan can use his – but they're not make-you-miss players. Sure. Micah can be a make-you-miss player as well as he brings some of the, the pro style. He can run routes. He's a vertical player. He can work the seams. He's got good ball skills. Even though he's not a bigger guy, he's got really good ball skills. Mm-hmm. 
plays against really quality competition. And so when you look at it, uh, you know, you, you look at it and say, hey, can you can you fit in with this group? That's how you eliminate the, the numbers being a problem. Right. And so to me, that's the selling point that Notre Dame has. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think ultimately could win this battle, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's no Agree. question about it. Agree completely. So you look at these five, Ryan. Yep. If they can get those five, one of the questions that we we were asked uh, in the chat, I'm going to try to find it here real quick. Somebody, there was a, here it is from Tony Stangle. I want to add, you know, we'll get to, we'll have a Q&A afterwards. So throw all your questions out there afterwards. But the question is James Flores, Great House Hannafin. So not even getting Micah T. So I'll ask that second. I'll ask the first question for now. You know my premise for what a gap close closing class is, right? There's yep. two ways to have a gap closing class. One is you've just vaulted yourself onto that standard. And that's obviously, I mean, that, that could be argued that's not even gap closing, that's gap erasing, but gap closing. The second is you're so you're it's a really strong class that improves where you are and get you closer to that, that's closing the gap. It's not gap closed, but closing the gap. So it can be one of those two type of things. Where would you see that foursome for Notre Dame in regards to, is this a gap closing class? And to what degree is it such? It is a gap closing class. I would say the latter in that comparison, like I think it's def- it's definitely trending in the right direction. It's getting close to closing the gap. I would say the only thing for me though, Brian, is that we talked about James, James and Hannafin, Tremendous upside. And if you can guarantee me that they hit their upside, then I would say the gap is closed. But Mm -hmm. in reality, two out of four of those players, half of the class are projection players, right? Like we don't quite know what, what two out of four are going to be. We have high hopes. If you're guaranteeing me that they hit their ceiling, then it's an easy gap close. But for now, I'm going to say that it's getting close to closing the gap. It just is very dependent on, Mm-hmm. Just how much James and Hannafin can develop. Like, that's the only question that I have right now. Yeah. But I think that's the reason why you need a deep class. And, and I think that the 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 seal the, to me, the ceiling for, for Hannafin and James to me is the highest of the group. Right. But I think their floors are a little higher than than maybe we're giving them credit for, too, because they're so athletic. Sure. And it's like they're going to play. The question is, will they be stars or not? That's a question. But I think as a foursome, you have enough talent, you have enough depth, you have enough size, you have enough athleticism, and you have enough upside that it's definitely a a gap-closing class. Does it erase the gap? No. I mean, Ohio State just got commitments from Cardinal Tate, Brandon Innes, and Noah Rogers on top of a great receiver class last year in which they got – you know, I mean, and the funny thing is, it's like people always point to me like, oh, Caleb Burton, Caleb Burton, Caleb Burton. And I'm like, I didn't even grade Caleb Burton out as their best receiver last year. I didn't even have number two. I mean, I, there was a plenty of other guys that I liked more than they had last year. They got a kid from from Georgia that I really liked, a slot guy. I loved Caleb Brown out of Chicago. And they got a kid from Arizona that Keon Graves that doesn't get nearly enough credit. And then they followed up with what they're about to follow it up with. It's about you got to do it year after year after year. And until Notre Dame does it year after year after year, the gla- the gap isn't erased. I don't care how good this receiver class is. If you add Micah Tease to that, it closes it even more and to where you're close. But that's why the 2024 class is so important. Doing it two years in a row, along with getting Tobias Merriweather, with which with as much as I love everyone's class, if I'm ranking the five kids in the 2023 class with Tobias Merriweather, Tobias Merriweather is still my number one player. Now, mm-hmm. 
I have his senior film to evaluate as part of this conversation. We don't know how other guys are going to break out. Correct. So for me, it's, he's still that top guy, but you need the numbers in 2024. So that's why I feel like they have to follow up with another really strong class in 2024 in order to say, okay, the gap is, the gap is closed. Right. So, yeah, that's my, that's my takeaway on that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. So let's talk about that 2024 class. Let's do it. Okay. Let's look at that group. And and to me, this is going to be interesting because there's a lot of kids on the board right now, Ryan, but there's not a ton that I look at and say, oh, yeah, Notre Dame's going to get that guy. Right. But I would also say they're way ahead on a lot of these guys than they were at the same time a year ago. I mean, up until January when the new staff took over, Notre Dame wasn't even on the radar for Braylon James and, and Jaden Greathouse yeah. or Rico Floor. I mean, they weren't even on the radar. Rico to a degree, but not really. I mean, Braylon James, the guy that had an offer, but they never recruited. Glenn James, Braylon's dad, said on on a show with you that they even tried to reach out to Notre Dame and they wouldn't return a phone call. So they're way ahead of where they were, but there's no one that I look at outside of maybe Cam Williams that I say, yeah, if I was a betting man right now, I'd put my mortgage on that guy picking Notre Dame. Right. right. Like that's the thing. So let's first start with Cam Williams and then we'll kind of dive into some other names to know and kind of where things stand. But uh, Cam Williams, obviously a wide receiver from Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, he is going, it's going to decide Wednesday night, eight o'clock Eastern. I believe we'll have Correct. that show. We'll carry that live. We'll discuss, you know, he's going to pick between what is it? It's Notre Dame, Michigan, Wisconsin. Iowa, Wisconsin, yeah. and Cincinnati. Was it Michigan State? Cincinnati. 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 Yep. Mm-hmm. So we like we like where Notre Dame stands. We'll, we won't dive too much into that because we'll, we'll let him kind of have his moment. And we'll, but as a player, this is a kid that I I really like. I really like Cam Williams because I think he brings some boundary to the table. I think he brings some X to the table. He's six yep. one plus. He's smooth. He runs a lot faster than people think as well. He was a kid that we talked about this at Irish Invasion. He lines up and runs. He's again rising junior, and they're doing forty times before the Irish Invasion. And let me let me tell you something. Notre Dame doesn't publicize the forty times, which like Ohio State, like Ohio State gives kids cards with like the forty times on them, and they like publicize it to a degree. And some of the times you're like, yeah, I've seen that kid run forty times other places, and that's way faster than he's running anywhere else. So it's like, okay, it's 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 fast for track. The, it's for the and it's for the you know it's I know it's it's a recruiting thing. Notre Dame puts a lot of value at their Irish invasion on accuracy because it's going to impact who they're recruiting or not. Mm-hmm. And how guys have run, 
has had a lot to do with some of, I mean, Paul Moala running a four, four, five is why Notre Dame offered him right at, at the Irish invasion. Yep. So I was standing there watching Cam Williams run and he was, I mean, he was smooth and he was moving quickly. And I'm like, yeah, that kid was moving pretty good. Right. Now, and you see it on film, right. But then you see it up close in person. And then as soon as he finished, the Notre Dame coaches started doing like this, like started like, like showing each other their stopwatches. Like, what did you get? What did you get? And the re- and you you and I talk about this. The reason you're doing that is because oh my gosh, I just had him in the four fours. Did you have him in the four fours? Did you have him in the four fours? <laughs> and they all did. And then he ran it again, and it was the same thing. And I think that was the final straw for Notre Dame. As we love, they love this film. They love his size. He's a. I mean, you listen to him talk about the things he's interested in, and you're like, man, that's a Notre Dame kid, right? Like he just kind of comes across that way. But you know, d- does he check out at the event with the size? Yeah, size checked out. Really good looking kid. Speed checked out. Com- com- competitiveness checked out. He was in all that he he kept jumping in and taking reps and trying to battle and doing all that kind of stuff. He checked all the boxes. But to me, the thing that really that really put him over the top for me was when I could see the speed verified at the camp. I was like, okay, my eyes aren't deceiving me. This kid can run. Right. And I think that's the thing that really has him as more of a like we said before, he's a he's a definitive top 150 kid, no question. I think he's more of a top 100 kid, but we could have a conversation about 150. This is a really good football player and would be a great way to start this class for Notre Dame at receiver if they can get him on Wednesday night. I think the smoothest thing is the easiest thing that, that pops off to me on film, Brian, is because I think that people might underestimate how fast he is because he's just kind of – he kills you with the smoothness, yeah. right? He's like He's one of those guys that's – truly deceptive with his speed it's like just looks like he's gliding out there a little bit and then he stacks and he gets on top of you like oh he's got a he's got another gear here man like he's a 4-4 type of athlete so I like I like him a lot man like you said I think he can he's definitely a guy that can play to the field yeah but he's also a guy that I think sort of the Lorenzo style type of boundary right like he's he's already bigger than Lorenzo now like I don't know if he was on I, I I, like what you saw, Ryan, was sophomore film. You're going off a of sure. sophomore film, and I get that. Yep. What I'm saying is, when I saw him in person, now that it's been you know five six months since his June, since the sophomore film was over, mm-hmm. you see that the that's and that's what makes film, valuing sophomore film challenging because these are still sure. young kids. And then you see him, and he's like he's he's kind of filled out muscularly. He's got long arms. Like okay, this kid's already bigger than Lorenzo now. It's crazy. And he's still got two years of high school football left. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the Lorenzo comparison that you made based on film, but that's the thing about the W. I want you to get back into the W. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, to kind of throw out there that that he's already kind of surpassed Lorenzo size-wise, in my opinion. Sure. I, I see the comp as sophomores, but he's he's already gone past that. So please go back to your explanation. You were talking about how, you know, yes, he can play X, but that's not yeah. it. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me is he's a flexible athlete. He's got speed. And that's why I think that he can play to the X a little bit or to, into the boundary, excuse me, the W position because for Notre Dame, because he can challenge vertically. He can stack and he can get on top of dudes. And it's extremely deceptive in the speed profile that he brings to the game. And that is so valuable, the ability to play both outside spots. And there's just Again, like I keep coming back to the same word, but smooth. He's just, he kind of lulls you to sleep a little bit, man. He could be a good deep threat and he could be a good deep threat just simply off the fact that he runs a four, four, but he also knows how to set you up deep, right? Like he knows Mm -hmm. how 
stack you in and get yeah. on top of you and then kind of lull you to, you know, to the down the, the green line and then all to the sideline late with hands and do it all that type of stuff. So there's some nuance to him as a vertical receiver. I think most of the time we talk about nuance, people think as a pure route runner, right? Like, oh, he's a short intermediate separator, but there's also nuance to running vertically based routes, right? And that's, he kind of has that. He averages over 18 yard a catch for his high school. And I imagine that he's going to be a similar style at, at Notre Dame where he's going to be a big play threat. I think he's going to be able to do all those things where from a vertical based system, he has the speed and kind of the nuance to running those vertical based routes where he's going to create a lot of big plays in my opinion. He is uh, another guy that I really like in the 2024 class and a guy that to me, um, you know, when I, when I look at the 2024 class, you know, who's the, who's the, who's the elite guy, who's the impact guy, who's the really dynamic type of guy. And a guy that's on the board that I think fits that mold is Ryan Wingo. And the interesting thing is, is when, when this whole thing first took over, you know, a lot of staffs that have been kind of working together for a while, were were staffs that had, you know, got on him early. And the Notre Dame staff had to kind of figure out what was going on with their 23 board in January, much less getting on 24 kids. And so they got on Wingo later. I mean, they you I remember when you and I when I first hired you, one of the first guys that you and I talked about I want you to get on in 24 was Ryan Wingo. And he said it was like after about a month, um, you know, Hey, look, here's, here's the reality of it. They're just, they haven't talked to me a whole lot. Well, that's changed in the last couple months and Notre Dame was able to get him on campus. And, you know, I, I think, I think it's a situation where they're going to play from behind a little bit, but Ryan, from you and I talking, the natural fit of him and Notre Dame is going to help make them a legitimate player in this recruitment. He's a Notre Dame kid. I mean, it's just point blank, you know, just talking to his coach in the past, it's the kid is an incredibly thoughtful, high academic kid. And he, he is using right now the recruiting process to go see things, right? right? Like that's, that's what his biggest thing is. It's not just finding the right fit right now. It's the ability for him to use this thing that has been get, you know, that he has earned to see everything. Right. And that's that's not so much as like seeing the other schools. He wants to see places. He wants to go out places. He wants to experience. That's like the biggest thing for Ryan Wingo right now, because there's some there's some um, connections to like the the uh, we talked about this recently, like Arkansas. He has some he has his older brother, Ronnie Wingo, played running back at Arkansas. So there's some connection to the program. But I think that Ryan Wingo is very adamant that he's testing everything and he's mm-hmm. going to take a look everywhere. And the fact of the matter is that he's been on no- campus at Notre Dame twice already, and he was mm-hmm. not supposed to go back last week. The original plan was, I saw Notre Dame, let's go see other places this spring and summer. That's mm-hmm. I want to see places I haven't seen before. And he made it a priority while he's on his Midwest tour. Like, no, let's go back to Notre Dame. Let's go right. see it again. And he connected well with the staff. I'm told that his parents absolutely loved it. Both his mother and his father went there. And I think that Notre Dame is an, a real player for Ryan Wingo. Is it going to be tough? Absolutely. Everybody's going to be after Ryan Wingo. This kid is a legit five-star level talent, 6'2", 195 pounds, dynamic player out of the state of Missouri. It's going to be a battle. But Notre Dame has shown us already, this staff, 
that they are not afraid of a challenge, right? So right. I like where they are with Ryan Wingo early on in the process. It's going to be a battle, but hats off to Notre Dame for not backing down to the to the uh, competition right now for him. Well, this is one of those situations, Ryan, where him not wanting to rush into a decision is good for Notre Dame 100%. because they did start off late. And and again, that's not a criticism because I think a lot of it there were some easy you know make sense ones. And guys that Coach Stuckey had already been recruiting, Emmett Mosley, we'll talk about in a minute, who's, you know, mom and dad both played at Notre Dame. And there's some easy fits, but, you know, he was one that that it took a while to get on. And I think part of the reason it took him a while to get on him is because he is such a highly ranked player. We really have a shot with that guy or, you know, for getting in that late. But he does, and he's a fit. As you mentioned, his brother obviously played at Arkansas, was a running back at Arkansas. So, obviously, the, the, the DNA is there, right? I mean, so – you know, there's there's obviously some some ability there, and I'm, I was trying to go back and look at what some of Ronnie Wingo's numbers were uh, back then. But you know, I mean, I, I think I, that I don't I don't think his production was great, but yeah. Ronnie Wingo was a freak. He was like a six three, two hundred thirty pound running back, and yeah. I think he tested really well too. Yeah, so he ended up rushing for over a thousand yards in his career. Uh, never had more than forty four hundred fifty yards, but again, you know, averaged five point three yards a carry and was always part of the rotation at, at Arkansas, I remember, but was never yep. like the guy. But uh, the point is size and athleticism runs in the family, and that's certainly <laughs> something Ronnie got plenty of that. You're looking at some other guys on the board, Ryan. You know, again, it's it's early yet, but here's some other names to know. Micah Hudson from Texas is definitely a name to know. Uh, Braylon James and he have been working out together. Not like mm-hmm. working out like, hey, Micah, let's go work out. But they're, <laughs> they kind of work with the same uh, – trainer type of situation and so they've been spending time together and obviously you know mike has heard plenty about notre dame in his conversations with braylon james who is one of those guys that is not uh, afraid to tell anyone that he can that that will listen about how great notre dame is which is another reason why it's so important to get those kind of kids because the best advertising for your for your program when you're talking about from regions that are far away is to have kids from there that are willing to talk about it yep Yep. And he's, I have a comparison for Micah Hudson. He is a really talented player. I put it in the mailbag this week. He reminds me a lot of Garrett Wilson, man. He is a springy, explosive Mm -hmm. athlete. He is a really impressive football player. And like you said, Notre Dame has continued to recruit the state of Texas. I know you use Braylon James as a comparison. It's a priority. Getting a guy like a Micah Hudson would be absolutely huge for Notre Dame class because this kid, he brings something different, Brian. You want to talk about a guy that I think could play to the field and in the slot and be dynamic both in the, in the slot as well. I mean, in the, uh, in the yak ability that he brings after the catch and the ability for his, that the speed that he has to kind of take the top off the defense, that kid's a multi-level threat. Micah Hudson has special traits as a football player. Mm -hmm. No doubt. He's a guy that obviously that's a, that's going to be tough, right? But they're in the game. And that's the important thing is get yourself in the game. Some other names to know. Emmett Mosley's a really interesting kid because he's very talented, didn't play a lot as a sophomore, had some mm-hmm. injuries, transferring yep. schools, has been on the road visiting, but we don't know that he's visited Notre Dame, but I know his younger brother has been on campus this summer. He was at a camp. He earned a scholarship offer as like a 25 or 26 kid. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, so I don't know if Emmett was with him on that trip or if he was somewhere else. It He just, and he won't talk to the media. Like we haven't been wow. able, at least not us, we have not had any luck getting a hold of him. So I don't know where things stand with him in Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame offered him, and from everything I've been told, they like him. Yeah. But uh, they got to get that one figured out. 
I, I haven't seen anything about Emmett, Emmett Mosley on any platform. Right. And I, I guess maybe I, it might just not be a media guy, which yeah. is unfortunate for right. us. But right. So like somebody asked, wasn't he here for the spring game? I don't know. He he uh, hasn't said he was there was talk that he was going to, but he never right. confirmed. He never followed up afterwards with us. I mean, so, you know, and, and we don't report what other people report. That's not really how this is supposed to work. You don't take what other people sure. report. You have to confirm what you report. And he hasn't been able to. He hasn't commented on us. I don't really have a lot to say about him other than he's really athletic so and he's really fast and he's really talented. And he's a double legacy. Right. Double legacy. Mom retired yeah. as the all-time goal scorer on the soccer team. You yeah. know, dad played for Lou Holtz back in the day. So, yeah, definitely. You'd like to think that Notre Dame has a shot there, but I don't know. I really don't have a clue. I'm not an- sure another guy that's on the board that I that I really like and some people have asked about slot receivers. We had a lot of questions about slot receivers. And uh, we also had a super chat from, from Brandon. He says, who are the mo- more of the slot targets in 24? Notre Dame has to find at least one slot receiver in 24, especially they miss on tees. I agree. I agree with you. I think the one thing that we have to make sure that we're defining slot correctly. I think Notre Dame needs more after the catch guys, but that's not the only type of slots that they have. Right. There, there, there are a lot, of, a lot of these guys. Michael Hudson, I think, is a slot kind of guy. I think can play there yeah. in a pro style slot. I mean, he can do things after the catch. He's very smooth. He can work vertically. He can definitely be a slot. Another guy that I really like in the slot, Ryan, and he's not your prototypical slot in that, you know, you're just going to throw a million, you know, RPOs to him, but he could do those things too, is an in-state kid. And that's Mylon Graham. I, like I don't know Graham. if you feel the same way. We honestly have not talked about this, but when I look at guys that I like in the slot, he's one of the first guys that, that, that I think about because he does have a lot of after the catch speed and ability. Yeah. But he does it in he's but he's also six foot plus. So he's yeah. not your typical slot, but I'm telling you, I really like that kid and he can flat out run. He was one of the more impressive athletes at the Irish Invasion. And his high school film is really important. He's one of those in-state kids. I feel like, man, if you can if you can find kids like that that can run, that's that's a nice, that's a nice problem to have or a nice situation to be in. He's a kid that I don't think that that I think we're going to be talking a lot more about a lot more in the next six to eight months as he kind of gets into his junior season. I, I could not agree more. He's a kid that I I thought equally as impressive was his ability to break angles in the open field as it was the ability to carry vertically as well. This mm-hmm. kid is really fast, man. He is. He might be one of the. I mean, aside from like Zion Reagan's. He may be one of the fastest players on Mm -hmm. the board for Notre Dame. He is a dynamic player. There's no Mm -hmm. doubt about it. Both uh, just before the catch and after the catch, the kid can move. He's a different type of slot to your – like he's not a make-you-miss slot. He's a – He's not Xavier Bradshaw. Right. Right. He's more, wow, I caught the football. There's a crease right there. I'm going to hit it because I'm really fast and explosive. Like that's the way that he kind of navigates. But he's a – and we talked about it, right? You have to consistently identify the players in the state of Indiana that you like that are fits at Notre Dame, and you need to close on them. So if you right. if Notre Dame looks at Mylon Graham and says that guy's a fit for us, you have to close. Like there's no excuses not to get right. a, an in-state kid if he fits everything you want and you want him on your football team. Right. There's been some guys that Notre Dame has misevaluated from the state of of Indiana. It happens, but it has happened. Right. If this kid is that type of player. You can't miss about misidentify him. You can't misevaluate him. You have to keep him in the state. Agree. I like Mylon Graham a lot. And, and the interesting thing with him is going to be if you get Cam Williams and you get 
you get Milan Graham, then how many numbers are you taking in 2024? Right. Because if they take five in, in 2023, can you take four in 24? It's going to get interesting. And there's a lot of really talented players on the board. I don't know if you've had a chance, Ryan, to watch Bredo Richardson from Florida yet. Oh, I love that kid. You got to watch this film. Obviously, he's a kid that that visited Notre Dame recently. He is not a burner, but he's athletic. He's a bigger kid. He plays bigger. He plays like an outside guy. He's one of my favorite guys on the board. Uh, I think he likes Notre Dame, but I also think he's got a little Cardinal Tate in him, and I mean this as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and because one of the things I've said about Cardinal is Cardinal's a really savvy kid when it comes to engaging with multiple fan bases and kind of showing love to a lot of different schools that are recruiting him and growing his social media presence. And again, I say this as 100% as a compliment. So don't anyone try to take this as a negative because I've always commended Cardinal for that. But he is a he is a really unique type of young man. And he visited recently and things went really, really well. Long way to go on that one. Long way to go on that one. But he's a kid that to me, I I say is um, a, a kid to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah. And, and I know I'm seeing a couple people in the chat, Brian. So I just want to clarify mm-hmm. we're we're not talking about Bronte Johnson today during the podcast because Notre Dame is recruiting him as a safety, the instant right. not a, not as wide receiver, just so everyone's aware of that one. Right. And now if you want to ask about Bronte, uh, we can do that in the QA, but we're not going to talk about his receiver. And look, yep. the reason why Ryan and I were talking about this before the show, Bronte is a very athletic player. He doesn't catch the ball really well. Yep. And and that's why I think you know I like him a lot as a player, but it's more as a as a uh, defensive player for that reason. For sure, yep. But he's very talented and a, and a guy that obviously Notre Dame was able to offer. We'll see kind of how things fill out, but he's an interesting player. Another guy, Ryan, we had uh, some intel on him on the board today uh, mm-hmm. is Jeremiah McClellan from Christian Brothers School in in uh, Saint, the St. Louis area. Yep. He's he's now made a, I think a couple trips to Notre Dame this spring and some winter and spring thing too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that Notre Dame Notre Dame likes a lot. He obviously uh, was able to go on and uh, make the trips. Notre Dame likes him. He's talked about getting back on campus. He's an interesting player, Ryan. What are your thoughts on on where Notre Dame is right now with with uh, Jeremiah McClellan? Yeah, Jeremiah is he makes the job really easy, man. He's very open and honest with everything, which is great. He's obviously the teammate of twenty twenty three running back target athlete target wherever you want to quantify him at Jeremiah Love. McClellan has similar style to Cam Williams to a degree, mm-hmm. right? Like he's really smooth, has some speed, but I mean, he just kind of lulls you to sleep a little mm-hmm. bit, but I think they're in a good spot with him. The biggest question for me is, and you already mentioned it, Brian, is how many receivers can you take in this class, right? right? So if you hit on a, if you hit on Cam Williams and you hit on a Ronnie Wingo and you hit on a couple other guys, is there going to be room? Right. He's a, I mean, in my opinion, he's a top 150 caliber wire all these kids are really that's the that's the great thing about it yeah yeah and he might i mean and we might be in a situation where maybe there's just not enough room it's no disrespect maybe you love them still right but what number are you able to take so i think notre dame's in a good spot the question is just what are the numbers going to look like at the board at the end of the day right because there's there comes a point in time with a lot of these slots it's going to be it's going to be first come first serve to a degree and then there's going to be a couple guys they're going to save a spot for you know, like, yeah, we're not going to fill up until this guy makes a decision, you know? And and I think that's kind of – that's going to be interesting. Some of these kids that, that really want to get Notre Dame but want to go through the process may find themselves without, without a spot because not every – and this isn't about Jeremiah McClellan, but there are some kids on this board, a lot of kids on this board, that aren't going to get the same treatment as like a 
Ryan Wingo or Micah Hudson, who are those kind of guys like, yeah, we'll take them whenever, you know, at some point in time, some of these kids spots are going to fill up. Right. And, and that's just kind of the reality of it. somebody. Another thing about the slots is another kid to keep an eye on is the Jason Robinson kid. Yep. Right. From, from, uh, I think he goes to Polly, correct. In Long Beach, Polly. Yes. I think he's a Polly yes. kid. He he's currently kid. committed to USC, but he talks Notre Dame and has said he plans on visiting Notre Dame. So we'll see if that happens or not, but I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about him too much until he visits. You know, if he does follow through with the visit, we'll see about that. And then we may talk about him a little bit more, but you know, Nicholas Marsh is another kid on the board, Ryan. It doesn't, you know, seems like Notre Dame is recruiting him. It just, it doesn't seem that as of right now that he's being that 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 there's as a strong of a connection on either, on one of the sides. I'm not sure which one, as mm-hmm. maybe some other kids. And he visited back in Martin, no April. Was it April? I think he visited March or April, someone time around then. A- April sounds right. Yeah. And liked it, said good things, but hasn't been back, hasn't said a lot of things about Notre Dame since. It's been a little tough to get a hold of and, and gross talking to him. So I'm not quite sure where things stand there. So that's why we, we haven't talked a lot about him. He's a good player. You know, he's got the name Megatron. Um, <laughs> he's a good player. He's a yeah. top 200 guy, but I just need, I need to see more junior film of him before I'm ready to say, okay, yes, that's a guy that you, that you're going to push for. Yeah. I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a big boundary kid that wins above the rim. I I just, I'm not sure what type of athlete he is yet. Mm -hmm. So I agree. I need to, I need to see a little bit more of Nick Marsh, but I mean, again, we're talking about another good football player that might Mm -hmm. not be a take for Notre Dame at the end of the day, which is pretty crazy. We're going to dive into some questions here and there's other kids on the board, but those are mainly like there's Tice here, Denmark, there's Jeremiah Smith. There's a lot of other guys, but we just don't think those guys are as interested in Notre Dame right now as maybe some of these other players. So, right, we'll get into a little bit more of that here um, as we kind of dive into this offseason. But these are some early names to know as far as what Notre Dame's looking for. So that's going to do it for the receiver portion of this podcast, Ryan. So we're going to dive into a Q&A here in a minute, but that's obviously wraps up receiving uh, the receiver situation. It, it, again, as we, as we close it out, got to finish strong in 23 but you got to repeat it in 24. They they can't like have a great 23 class and then just kind of do okay in 24. They have to be willing to say, hey, we're going to go through this and we're going to load up on the best we can now and then do the same thing next year. What, what Notre Dame would do in the past, and this is what we're going to learn about this staff, they would have that great class, but then they'd say, okay, well, we had this great class, so let's let's you know maybe focus on other things next year. That's not what Bama does. That's not what Georgia does. That's not what Ohio State does. They say, okay, we had a great class last year. Let's make this one even better. Sure. And that's what I want to see from the staff to see if they really have what it takes to, to really build an elite, elite championship roster. Uh, and I think receiver is going to be a perfect example of that. So I think closing on some of these guys over the next couple these next couple weeks will help that because once they start to really lock in the 23 class, then that helps them kind of then start focusing even more on the 24 kids for coach Stucky and coach Reese. So we'll yep. see how that, uh, how that closes out. So that's going to do it for the receiver part of the podcast. We'll jump to the Q and a in a minute, but before we do remember Notre Dame fans, before you, before it, you know, before we get to that, hit that like button for us, please hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. And of course, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at, at boards.irishbreakdown.com and keep continuing to enjoy all the content that we're putting out.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.